When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Before we get to today's episode with Heat Guard Wayne Ellington, I want to introduce you to the newest sponsor of the Five Reasons Sports Network, and that's the attorneys at Seltzer Mayberg. You can find them at onecalllegal.com. That's onecalllegal.com or call 1 855 5000 LAW. 1-855-5000-LAW. They handle cases including but not limited to car accidents, slip and falls, criminal immigration, family, bankruptcy, real estate, wills, trusts, and estates with a new 15,000-square-foot office that's going to be opening on I-95 in North Miami. So they'll handle cases all over the state but with a specialty in South Florida. Call now with 24-7 service for a free consultation. Just tell them that Five Reasons sent you. Again, it's onecalllegal.com, 1-855-5000-LAW. And now, Wayne Ellington. Welcome to the latest episode of the Five Reasons Podcast. I'm Ethan Skolnick here as always with Chris Whittingham. Now that you've found us, make sure that you hit the subscribe or follow button with your favorite podcast provider. That way you will get all of the old episodes in our library. Also, every new episode as soon as they post, as long as you turn on notifications, you can obviously find a ton of heat content in our library, including our heat Stories series recently did episodes with Mario Chalmers, with Udonis Haslam, with Brian Grant. We've got another one coming up with uh, one of the old timers, Grant Long. I don't know if Grant will appreciate me calling him an old timer, but <laughs> that will be in the library as well. And uh, additionally, all of our heat analysis content and the rest. Also, check out Miami Heat Beat. That's about 10 or 11 dedicated, we call them fanalists of the Miami Heat. They take a little bit of a different approach than we do, but they're the, they're the people that tweet every play of every game. And I can tell our current guest today, Wayne Ellington, that they are big fans of his. So we really appreciate Wayne coming on the program. And I just want to start here with you, Wayne, because this is the single biggest question we had as we were looking at free agency and looking at what your value would be on the open market and how valued shooters are. So here's our big question. Why are you here? Why did you decide to come back to the Miami Heat on a one-year contract? (laughs) Well, you know, first and foremost, I appreciate you guys for having me on, and I'm excited to do this. But I'm here. I'm here. I'm here with the Heat because it's kind of in my DNA. I feel like it's the best fit for me. I've been in a lot of places so far in my career, and uh, this is a place that I'm very, very, very comfortable. It's kind of a unique fit for me. I love the culture. I love what this organization is about. And all summer long, I knew that, you know, if there was – any other decision that had to be made, it would have been hurtful for me. So I'm happy to be back and, and you know, whatever's in the future is in the future. And, you know, but I know where I want to be right now. 
all the time we hear fans and, and players and organization alike talking about the culture and sort of what it means. What does it mean to you and what has it represented to your career? And for a player who's played in a lot of different teams, what's different about this organization? I feel like if you buy into what's being preached and what's uh, expected of you, I think, you know, you'll, you'll become a better player, you'll become a better person. And, uh, and that's what it's about. You held to a higher standard than a lot of different places. Obviously, uh, on the court, you know, your physical shape, you're expected to be in world-class shape and to get in the world-class shape. And uh, off the court, you know, handle yourself as, as a man and, and, you know, and treat everybody respectfully. And I feel like, you know, that's just kind of like my build-up. It's funny, a lot of the things that are being preached and the standard here are a lot of things that I learned in college at, at UNC. So it was kind of... Like I keep saying it was just, it's just a great fit for me. So we talk about it being a great fit. You talk about the culture, and we've had some guys on our podcast, former players, current players uh, who've been with the Heat, who have had very different opinions about whether or not they wanted to deal with that culture. Uh, we had Brian Grant. <laughs> we, we we had Brian Grant on, and and he bought in. Like he had a meeting with Pat Riley. He wasn't supposed to come to the Heat when he was a free agent, and like he was basically like, "Just get me there. Like I don't care what kind of money. I want to play for that man. I want to play for that organization." We just had Grant Long who was a longtime power forward in the NBA. And he basically told us, yeah, I didn't want any part of playing for Pat Riley. I've heard about <laughs> the practices. I didn't want to deal with that. And Grant Long was like, Udonis Haslam before Udonis Haslam. So we were surprised. We were like, Grant, you don't want to deal with right. it? Like, no way. I know it's not the Riley thing anymore. I know Eric has a slightly different you know, itinerary for his practices. I used to sit outside Riley practices and wait for the players for five hours. I know that's not the case anymore. <laughs> but but Wayne, Wayne, give us your introduction to the culture, your first heat training camp after all the other places you've been, what struck you most? What was hardest to adjust to? I would say before I even got to training camp, uh, before I got to training camp, uh, when I first signed, you know, after the physical and everything like that, came in, I think, around August 1st, and um, we had to do weight and body fat. <laughs> so immediately, you know, they wanted to check, you know, what, what type of physical shape you were in. And then, you know, after that, that's when the work really began. It was almost as if if you didn't get to a certain point, you can, you can forget about being able to perform on the court. That's where it really began for me compared to any other organization I've been. And it was a standard for everybody. You know, in some places, you know, obviously, depending on who the player is, they're giving a little leniency here, here, or there. But here, you know, it's the standard. It's the standard for everybody. And everybody's expected to be in top shape. And that was my first introduction to the culture. Can you articulate the difference between playing at maybe the shape you were in before and sort of what that emphasis on body fat, on body weight, and playing at tip-top condition? Like, can you feel the difference when you're, let's say, you play a 25-minute game and you're in minute 23 that you have a little bit extra? What is that difference between playing at good condition, which is professional athlete, you know, any of us would take it in normal human civilization versus the very peak of athletic performance? It just elevates your game. Uh, obviously, my game, uh, you know, I've always been a good shooter, but I, I think since I've been here, I've seen my game reach a whole nother level. And being able to be out on the court longer, being able to run longer, be able to tire out defenders, you know, these are all things that have gone into the, to the work that I put in. So, uh, yeah, it can really change your game. You know, they say that you know when you're when you're in top shape, you know that's when you that's when your true talent will come out. And uh, 
kind of hear stuff like that. Some guys buy into that, some guys don't. But like I keep saying, I'm a testament of it. I'm a testament of a guy who was with himself in the shape, bought in, and you see the results on the floor. So we want to get to your growing up here in a second, but I want to stay with kind of this nomadic existence that you had in the NBA before you got to Miami. So 2009, you win a national championship at Carolina. You're drafted. You end up playing 76 games in Minnesota, 62 more, 51 more. But again, I'm going to go through this quickly. Three in Minnesota, one in Cleveland, one in Memphis, one in Dallas, one in L.A., one in Brooklyn before two in Miami. I think the thing that fans don't understand is how difficult that can be to make an adjustment every year and to a new training camp, to a new city, when you have family, just all of those things that play into it. Give us a couple of stories about just your first experiences in some of those cities and how you adjusted to all of those different cultures. Uh, it's tough. It's tough. And it can not only take a toll on you physically, but mentally it's, it's draining, you know, not knowing, not knowing what's next, not knowing what's in your, in your future, not having that stability. It can be hard. You know, a lot of guys that have you know, been in that position playing one year here, one year there, don't ever you know, find an, you know, a place to call home or after those one-year deals, you know, you don't know. Sometimes those guys aren't, in, aren't around in the NBA anymore. So it's tough, and it definitely takes a strong individual to get through that and, and to, to be able to maneuver, man, and to adjust to whatever is up next for them. So it was hard, to say the least, just changing teams in itself, especially the young player. You know, it, it, it becomes hard to – find yourself you know one team wants you to do this the next team wants you to do that and you start you know it, it's easy to second guess yourself and, and start trying to figure out you know okay well uh, <laughs> who am I as a player and, and what are my best assets and what do I do well on the basketball court you know if one team or one coach wants me to do this and next season you know another team wants you to do that and so it can be confusing you can easily question yourself if you don't have a strong makeup and you know you're not made up of that that DNA, it'll be it's easy to quit. So one thing that I knew that I could do is I could shoot that I could shoot the rock. So that, <laughs> that's one thing that I always that I always uh, made sure that I kept on top of. You mentioned the things on the floor and kind of how you want yeah, different teams want you to do different things, but I want to talk about off the floor, whether it's uh-huh. friends, whether it's family, whether it's you know finding a place to live, where you set up in the off season. How much is that affected by changing teams so much? Oh man, moving the moving part is uh, I'd say the most grueling. That's something that people don't really uh, take into account when you see a player have to do that. How many times uh, have you moved, I mean, Dwayne? <laughs> I've moved a lot. I've moved a lot, man. I've moved. I don't even sit here and think about it or count, to be honest, but it's to the point now where I hate moving. <laughs> I hate moving. I hate it. You know, it's something that I never look forward to now at this point, just because, man, you know, it's hard to pick up and just move, move not only yourself, your family, you know, whatever the case may be. It gets to the point, man, you know, it's like, should I just live out of a suitcase? <laughs> you know, <I> really <laughs> you just stay in a hotel. Furniture from here to there, and you know, it, it can be grueling. Did you ever buy? Did you in any of those cities? Did you buy? No, all those cities I rented. Is Miami? Did you in buy all in those cities I rent? Did you buy in Miami? I bought in Miami. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I bought in Miami when I when I 
it's funny because it wasn't, you know, it was a, like kind of like right away. You know, when I first signed here, I was I was looking at a few rentals and I came across a, a, a great situation for me and my family. And I jumped on it and I bought it. And uh, it's obviously been an amazing decision for me that I made. So I'm very happy that I did that. Well, it's an amazing decision, Wayne, until Miami falls into the sea. But uh, <laughs> until until then, uh, I, 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 I own two properties, and I'm a little afraid of that. But until then, uh, it turned out to be a good decision. Right, we're going to get back to the basketball here in a second, but I want to go back uh, to how you grew up a little bit. Um, you know, a lot of people talk about Dion being a Philly guy. You are also a Philly guy, and and I just wanted you to get into a little bit of sort of what it was like. Uh, growing up in that area with your family, how you developed your love for the game, how that all started. You know, it's tough. It's a tough town, but at the same time, it, it prepares you. It prepares you to face adversity, to face, uh, you know, whatever's to come in, in this real world. So I'm appreciative of that. But, you know, it's also a big sports town. It's a big basketball city, and, you know, everybody's everybody's up to date. You know, everybody's up to date what's going on with the local high school teams, college, and obviously the pros. So, you know, that's something that I'm I'm very thankful for. And just being from that area, I talked about the DNA already, but kind of forces you to be a, a hard nose, a tough-nosed guy. So I'm very appreciative of that. When did you first realize you could shoot? <laughs> I first realized I could shoot, I would say in middle school. My dad actually gave me the ball, man, when I was about five years old in the YMCA league, and I haven't, I haven't missed a season yet. But coming up, obviously, when you're young, you, you don't really so much worry about shooting or being a shooter or this, that, and the third. But when I got to middle school, I actually had a coach, man, who, who really preached on the technique and form of shooting. And uh, that kind of took me a long way, obviously. <laughs> I mean, it's, 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 there's things that I still think about that I learned from back in those days that I keep with me now. So I, I would say around middle school, around, around seventh and eighth grade, uh, I started becoming more of a good shooter. We'll get back to Wayne Ellington here in a second, but obviously in addition to basketball, hockey starting up, football is going full gear right now. And so I've been spending my weekends betting over at Bet. DSI.com using the promo code Reason101 so I can get my money matched up to $2,500. I wish it was going a little bit better, Chris. I've actually had <laughs> three bad beats in a row the past three weekends. Damn you, Oklahoma. But still having fun doing it as long as I still have my money. Chris, how have you been doing over at BetDSI? I feel like when your games are featured on Scott Van Pelt's Bad Beats, that's generally a bad sign for how your uh, betting life is going. I, I'm, I'm going on a, on, a, on a pretty decent run right now. Actually, I gave in our uh, DM string, I probably should have tweeted this out, but I gave in our DM string over at Five Reasons, three NFL picks. I went 3-0 on them. So going pretty well over at BetDSI.com. In terms of the college football slate this weekend, you have Miami FIU, Miami about 26-point favorites, so you can bet that over BetDSI. A couple of top 25 matchups with Texas A&M, Alabama, and Stanford, Oregon at the weekend. And then in the NFL, Thursday night football is when you want to get started with your betting. Jets-Browns is the Thursday night matchup this week. Dolphins-Raiders, and you got a couple of fun night games as well this week. It's all happening over at BetDSI.com. It's not just football. It's every sport that you can wager on. And be sure when you... Put in your initial deposit to use the promo code REASON101 and get your deposit matched up to $2,500. And now, back to Wayne Ellington. 
All right, so there's something I got to ask you because I was covering all those big three Heat teams, and there was a list of guys, there were a list of guys that those teams just had trouble with for whatever reason, and you were one of those guys. I remember two games in particular. I know every Heat fan remembers these couple of games where you just basically went off on them. What was <laughs> what was it about playing those teams? Because I've said that I don't know that they'll ever be teams like that again that face the kind of scrutiny that those Heat teams did and the arenas that they went into and the way that LeBron and Dwayne and Chris were treated in those places and the pressure every night and ESPN and all the rest huh. of the things that were going on. But then you, you came out and torched them a couple of times, which I, I think was one of Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. The reasons people were happy you signed here so you would stop doing that. Uh, what, was it, <laughs> what, what was it about the big three heat that brought out the best in you? <laughs> well, you know, just those guys being the big three. You know, obviously, they had a target on their back. You know, they got everybody's best shot. And then for me, it was just like, man, these guys are, you know, they're at the top. At the top, they're where I, you know, where I would dream of being at. You know, that that's that's why I want to play for championships like that. So it was, you know, every time I saw them, it was it was obviously motivating for me to to go at those guys. And you know, I just, I guess I'll just say, you know, I brought my A game those <laughs> those nights when we had to face them. All right, I want to transition here a little bit to your time in Los Angeles, and and the key thing that sticks out. If people have not read it, you should go to theplayertribune.com because Wayne wrote a piece couple of years ago about his father called Pops and about their relationship and about the news that he learned in Los Angeles after playing a game uh, for the Lakers. Could you take us through that a little bit, what that relationship was and what it's led you to do in the community after that? Yeah, of course. You know, that was a, that was a very difficult time for myself and my family, obviously. It was a tragedy. It was something that kind of knocked me, knocked me back for me in a a tough place, but you know, at the end of the day, uh, I've grown from it as a man. I obviously, it was a call that changed my life to hear that my dad had been killed back home in Philadelphia during my game, which was which was really, really, really hard to deal with, just because uh, he was he was my biggest fan. He was the person that I waited for text messages from before games to encourage me, and after games to either critique or, you know, give me some praise. So that was obviously a situation where it took uh, a lot out of me as as a man. But, you know, I wanted to do something uh, to try and change what had happened to me. I didn't want anybody, any other families to have to feel that pain and have to feel that grief that myself and my family had to feel and are still feeling. So, you know, we came up with... Um, a few things that I wanted to do in the community. Uh, obviously, it was called the, it was called the Power of We. It was just to, just 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 to try to make some change and just to try to bring awareness to the gun violence that's going on in the world today. Yeah, and and I know that your father actually had texted you before that game, right? As you mentioned, he always texted you before and after games, and so he had actually texted you 
before that game, you write about this, uh, that you came out and, and they gave you the news. Uh, one of the reasons I wanted to touch on this a little bit is because these issues can get so polarizing. And, you know, one of the things that you always hear is, you know, when athletes speak out on social justice issues is they'll be like, well, why don't they do anything in Chicago? Why don't they do anything in, in these cities? Right. And, and I always point out that a lot of guys do, and it just doesn't get mentioned yeah. all that much. Yeah. And I, I, you know, again, when, when I'm, sort of sparring with people on social media about this, uh, that always comes up. And, you know, I know you went to the Peace Tournament in Chicago, the Peace Games in Philadelphia. And I guess for you, as you've kind of, because you're on the ground here. I mean, you're not just, you know, spitting stuff on social media. You're on the ground. You're talking to people. What, what in your view, is kind of the biggest obstacle to fixing these problems of, of whatever side of the issue you're on, of just of fixing uh, these problems of gun violence? What have you found? Uh, I mean, there's, there's a lot of obstacles. For me personally, I, I always felt like it started with the youth. It's hard, you know, obviously, to, you know, we can't change laws. We can't do this type of thing. But uh, one thing that we can do is try to be there for the children in the uh, communities to try to give them positive things to do, to try to give them guidance and give them some structure and teach them things, teach them the right way. That's something that, you know, for me has has been the key. And it's something that I learned is the key. You know, that's something that you can kind of control. You still can't control it, but you can, uh, there's ways that, you know, you can make a difference. They're growing up in these environments where it's becoming the norm to have to deal with murder, to have to deal with death, to have to deal with gun violence. And it's sad. It's sad that these, these young kids are growing up and they're becoming numb to that. And they think it's, okay I think it's okay you know I think it's normal and, and it's completely not so uh for me just going through all the all the things that I've done and and uh you know talking about the power of we and and the gun violence things that I did that's one place that you can really touch uh impact and make a difference where have you found your voice on these issues because it's one of those things that I think a lot of athletes, particularly recently, have found, you know, obviously in the post-Kaepernick era, I've, I've gotten involved, but you were obviously doing this stuff well before that, and, and, you, and you continue to do work on the ground. Where did you kind of find it within yourself to want to speak out and, and want to be involved? I just wanted to do something. I wanted to do something. I understood that as an NBA player, you know, we're on a pedestal that people will listen to, kids will listen to, you know, they looked up to us. So that was my aim just because I have a voice. I do have a voice in the community, and I felt like I needed to use it. All right, Wayne, we're going to do something we do with all of our guests, which is uh, we're going to do some rapid fire here at the end, kind of the way that you shoot threes. Okay. So, so we're going to do this quickly. <laughs> we're, 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 I know you're averaging about eight threes a game now. We're only going to do five of these, but let me, uh, let me sprint through them. When Eric Spolster told you you can shoot as much as you want and you better damn shoot <laughs> as much as you want, what was your reaction to that? I was ecstatic. <laughs> I was ecstatic. Any player, that, that's exactly what you want to hear from your head coach. To that end, Wayne, do you think if a coach had told you that three, four, five years ago? Because, you, I mean, you've more, you, almost, you almost tripled your attempts from earlier in your career at this point. Do you think your career might have gone differently if somebody like Eric Spolster had said that to you in, say, 2014? Without a doubt. Without a doubt. The type of player I am, is, it's all about confidence. And so, and, and when you're and your head coach instills that type of confidence in you, and, and that type of trust, uh, right? Because it has to be trust. I mean, your coach tells you to 
you know, he wants you to let it fly and, and shoot the ball and don't second guess yourself. That means, you know, he, he trusts that you're not going to just jack up bad shots and he trusts your, your mindset. The second one here, 2013 finals. If that's you in the corner instead of Ray Allen, after, after, Bosch, <laughs> yeah. after Bosch gets the rebound and the ball comes out to you, do you make that shot? You get the same result. You get the same result. That <laughs> well, what was most impressive to you about that? Because for a shooter, you know, the shooters look at that differently. So, I mean, we just see, again, the end result, and it's, you know, one of the all-time greatest yeah. shooters making a shot like that yeah. in that kind of pressurized situation. But you're looking at you're looking at it with a more discerning eye than we are. So, oh, yeah. I mean, Ray talked. Ray told me once that it basically was the culmination of his whole career, of all of his preparation. Yeah. He kind of took me through it. But you watch it. What do you see? Well, first and foremost, right, um, I'm backpedaling, backed up all the way to the line in the corner where there's not much space between the three-point line and the out-of-bounds line. Um, and he didn't look down not one time to see where he was at. Uh, that's the first thing that jumped out to me. And then the way he, he – I think he was on his toes almost, didn't have much balance, still got in the air and shot the perfect poetry in motion. Jesus settles were a jumper. <laughs> I mean, it, it was – I mean, it was unbelievable. Later I learned that he actually does a drill where he reenacts all this stuff. When he's laying down, when he's sitting down in, in the paint and he has to backpedal – out without looking and, and and hit a three. So I was just I was a, I was amazed that you know all of these, like you know if you if you would see him doing that drill in the summertime, you'd be like, what the hell is he doing, right? Why is he laying down in in the, in the paint and, and backpedaling out to the front for a shot? I mean, you know, obviously sometimes you're on the ground and you fall, but how many times are you ever going to be in the paint laying down and backpedal to get a three? And that just showed me. I mean, that that just showed me that. There's nothing that you can't be prepared for. And, you know, he, he's just, he's, he's a prime example of that. Number three here. I know nobody beats you in a shooting contest, but which current Heat player has the best chance? <laughs> which current Heat player has the best chance of beating me in a three-point contest? I would say uh, Kelly's a really good shooter. Kelly's a really good shooter. I'm looking around the room right now. And Jay Rich. Jay Rich, Jay Rich can get hot as well. But I say Kelly. I give the KO. He, he has the best chance, but he, his ass isn't being me either. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I mean he's, he's a little taller. It might take him a little longer to get those shots off, but, uh, but that's an issue. Yeah. Well, you, look, you didn't say Dwayne. So, I, look, I, that's the one thing Dwayne has not <laughs> all these years, except that one playoffs a couple of years ago where all of a sudden he's making six against Charlotte. We don't really know where that came from. <laughs> I, I, I'd probably yeah, go with <laughs> he's a gamer exactly well there's there are there are shooters and then there are shot makers that's what Dwayne's always said to yep. me he's a shot maker I right, yep. number number four here has the three-point shot in your opinion been good for the game uh, honestly I think it's amazing for the game I do I think it's great for the game I think it's it speeds up the game it makes teams play faster it gives the game a little bit more excitement you know what fans want to see you know, when, when fans get the see guys pull up from deep range and make a, a long shot or or uh, something of that sort. I think I think it's been amazing for the game so far. It gives it a lot more excitement. 
Final one for you. I know you recently uh, had a child. I know Eric recently had a child. So how much sort of baby rearing advice have the two of you shared with each other? Oh, yeah. Not so much advice. It's more, it's more just sharing exciting stories and where we're at with you know our child development. That's something that we always... I know my face lights up when I talk about my son, and I see the same thing in his eyes now. So we kind of just share stories and get excited when, when we mention them. How old is your son now, first thing? Your son was uh, born was about a little over a year ago, right? Yeah, well, yeah, he'll be 18 months on the 22nd. Wow. Okay. So you've already put a ball in his hands, right? Oh, uh, come on, man. You know that. <laughs> he's, already shooting, he's already working out and shooting dumpers. <laughs> <laughs> you setting him up from 26 feet just to make sure that he gets he gets some of those shots off. That's pretty cool. So, but but I I would assume obviously that changes the sleep patterns a little bit. So you you've had to adjust to that. Yeah, yeah, that's something that uh, you know, obviously I've had to adjust to. But um, my wife's been great, and she understands during the season that I need my that I need my uh, I need my rest. So uh, sometimes she'll take him and sleep in the guest room or whatever the case may be so that I can so I can get my rest and be prepared for the next day. All right, and final thing here. Uh, we've had Eric Reed, uh, the play-by-play man for the Heat, on the podcast. Yeah. I know he has a nickname for you, the man with a golden arm. <laughs> Eric, Eric has a lot of nicknames for people. Um, this one takes a little longer to get out of your mouth, though. This is, uh, this is not the nickname <laughs> that Eric's come up with. Do you like it? I love it. I love it. I love it. Honestly, it's, it's uh, I think it's great, and I really enjoy it. It's funny, man. You know that that's what most of the fans call me now. Like I'll be out, I'll be out at the store, at a restaurant somewhere, and I hear, "Hey, golden arm," you know, or hey, "There's a man with the golden arm." So like, it, it's fun, man. It's really. Fun. Thank Eric for giving me that nickname. <laughs> what are doing now? So when you're signing the check at a restaurant, it's like, give it to the man with the golden arm. Let him sign the check. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that's how that one works. All right, so we'll, we'll keep going with that. Uh, obviously, I think the fans will be happy uh, to hear this. They're happy you're back. We weren't sure that was going to happen for a second straight year. Obviously, they're happy that Dwayne's back. You got the whole compliment back together. And, and I know that, that some fans have kind of been a little down on the expectations this year. So uh-huh. I'll sort of let this be your parting shot as we leave the podcast, but why do you think maybe that this team will be better than I, than I think the expectations have been from fans this off season? Well, first and foremost, I, I think the continuity, uh, I think the togetherness automatically is going to make us a, a better team than we were last year. Uh, and this is a third straight year we, for us to be together. So I think that alone is going to help us improve chemistry wise. That's going to be, huge for us and then you know we, we hear we hear the the murmurs and we hear all the stuff you know the the stuff that not a big off season there wasn't much change after, you know we didn't perform obviously the way we wanted to in in the postseason last year guys have improved guys are motivated and uh, we're all excited to get to camp and 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 to prove those those naysayers or those those those, those negative uh fans that uh, they got something to be excited about and to look forward to this season. All right, Wayne Ellington, uh, thanks for joining us, man. We really appreciate it. Uh, thanks for the time. Uh, good luck getting up those 12 threes per game this year. We'll be looking for that. <laughs> and and good, good luck getting some sleep. So the man with the golden arm, and hope you have a great season. Thank you, Ethan, and thank you, Chris. I appreciate you guys. 
This is the Five Reason Sports Network, Miami Sports On Demand. We now have 13 podcasts in the network posting roughly 15 times per week, all absolutely free. Find all of our shows on iTunes, Google Podcasts, or Podbean. Plus, become a member of our patron feed and you'll get even more fresh content. We are on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Here's some of what you missed last week on Balls Cast. It's legitimately dreadful watching the Dolphins, man. Like, is this, <laughs> is it worth it to be a Dolphin fan? Like, this is, this feels terrible. If you want to get involved as a sponsor or a contributor, reach out to us at number five reason sports on Twitter. Don't forget to punch five reasons in your search bar and then hit subscribe. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.